I means paid in full. Tetelestai. 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 Paid in full. It's a legal term. If you were to commit an offense in the Roman world and you were go to, to go to prison and after you served your term in jail, they would write on all of your misdemeanors and felonies tetelestai, which means the debt had been paid. And you were free of all those charges. And when Jesus died on the cross and he cried out, it is finished, he cried out to Telestai because he had finished once and for all the work of dealing with our sin. All right. Thank you once again for being here. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and open us up in a word of prayer. Father God, we just exalt your name today, Lord, and we acknowledge, Father God, that every good and perfect gift comes down from you, Lord, the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Father God, you are the same yesterday, today, and always. And so, Father God, as we look at your word, Father God, a word that never changes but is always true, Lord, we just look to... to get a glimpse of your heart and your character. So, Father God, I ask that you open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word in fullness, that we would walk it out in obedience, Father God, as pleasing children, and that you would just allow me to die to myself, Father God. May your Holy Spirit come and speak your words through me, Father God, that everyone may receive what you have to speak tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, open with me, if you will, to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. And um, I realized earlier this week that we were going to be going through a series on marriage. Okay, and uh, my buddy Stephen said, well, why are you going to do that? There's like only two people that come that are married. Well, you know, that's all right. But uh, everybody's going to plans on getting married someday, right? And uh, I don't know about y'all, but that's not something I wanted to figure out after I got married. Okay. But really what, what God uh, revealed to me as I started doing my study is really it's, it's much more than just marriage. This is going to be a series on relationships and how should we as Christians relate to the world, to others, um, in, in authorities and friendships and in brotherhood and, of course, um, in marriages as well. And uh, as you'll see, I hope, as we focus on some of the ways that we need to relate with each other, you'll see how some of these characteristics should play into a marriage. And as we look at marriage, you'll see how some of the characteristics of a, of a wife or a husband should play out into our everyday life. So starting in uh, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 11, I'm going to read through verse 25. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, 
but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For, for what credit is it uh, if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. <clears throat> My voice is going out, excuse me. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Woo! All right. So we're going we're gonna to focus on three things today that uh that we're going to pull out of this scripture and as we look at at how uh we relate to each other the title of this message is living before the world as like living um you know in front of the world not before prior but living before the world okay and we're going to focus on three characteristics that should define our life as christians okay the first one is obedience the second one being honor and the third love. So in the first couple of verses, 11 through 12, we have what we should, what we should set our minds on as our goal, okay? As, as Christians living, living our life amongst people in the world, this should be what we're aiming for, okay? How our lives should look. And he says, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage against the soul. See, that's exactly what we are in this world. Sojourners, foreigners, pilgrims. We're simply passing through. That's it, right? You know, something that defines a, a pilgrim. If you're going on a pilgrimage, basically, uh, let's, take, let's take Islam, for example. They have pilgrimages that by their religion they have to take, I think, at least once in their lifetime and maybe more. I'm not sure. So they have to leave their home, okay, and they take a pilgrimage to the temple at Mecca. That is their final destination, right? And that's what defines them as a pilgrim. They're going to travel to this specific place for worship. Now, on the way to Mecca, they got to pass through a lot of places, right? pass by a lot of people, deal with a lot of things. The Bible tells us in Philippians 3.20, let me get my scriptures out over here, that our citizenship is in heaven. First and foremost, not here, 
guys, this is, y'all gotta, we gotta get our understanding out of the here and now, out of the physical, right? Because this is all temporary. This all fades away. Guess what? I might not see any of you ever again, right? I could have a heart attack driving home tonight. I mean, who knows, right? You, You don't know. This is all temporary. But Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is, presence tense, is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are pilgrims because we have a destination. We have a home. We have a goal that we're moving towards. And guys, everything here, all the people, all the authorities, man, they're just, really, they're just along for, for the ride. Right? They're along for our ride. Let's look at it that way. Okay. <clears throat> but he says, Beloved, I beg you, as sor- uh, sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts. Why? Well, there's always the whole, you know, sin equals death thing. That's not fun. But abstain from fleshly lusts because they, they war against your soul. You know, I remember, uh, I don't remember what the message was, but I remember having a message, and we were talking about the mindset of a, of a selfless person, uh, the mindset of someone who truly is seeking God, right? Because so often we want to know, well, is this okay, right? Can I get away with this? Can I, can I do this and still be a Christian, right? And everybody's, everybody's had those thoughts, or at least I have. I had a lot of those thoughts, actually. Anyways, but uh, that's not a God-honoring mindset, right? That is not a Christian lifestyle mindset. A real God-fearing mindset is one that says, does this really glorify God? Does this put me in a better place of worship, right? Does this show the character of the creator and the savior of all heavens and earth? And if the answer is no, move on, right? Move on. In all fleshly lusts, okay, even cigarette smoking, because yes, I will plainly preach against cigarette smoking. No, you're not going to go to hell. But guess what? You're not going to go to hell for, you know, getting drunk, but it's still a sin, right? Anyways, that's a different story. Um, not here to preach against that, but cigarette smoking, drugs, alcohol. Um, what else we got? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. All these things, what, what benefit is there, right? None. Okay, when I go to Bible study, when I go to fellowship, when I pray, when I, when I, when I, uh, or when we give, right, when we speak truth, when we do these things that God has called us to, we can say there is benefit, right? I go to church and I hear the words of life. You know, I take the time to evangelize, and yeah, it's embarrassing, but guess what? Those people are hearing the truth, and Satan's chains are being broken, right? When we fellowship, we're building each other up, and we might get some free food. Right? That's a benefit. Okay? All right. When I sit down to drink, I'm at a loss for my benefit. Right? When people grab that needle, when they pick up the, the joint, right? When they hit the eight ball, whatever it is, you are officially at loss for a kingdom benefit. Now, you can say those benefit yourself, right? Like, I'm about to stay up for like three days and get all this studying done. Okay, that's not the type of benefit I'm talking about. I'm talking about kingdom benefit. You are at a loss of benefit. That is what's called a fleshly lust. You know what the Bible says about fleshly lust? Regardless 
of your justifications, of my justifications, or of their justifications. The Bible says that they war against the soul. Let me ask you something. Who, who here wants to be in an act of war against God? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the hand down. Okay, I've been there. It don't work out so hot. Okay? No more excuses, guys. Right? And if you got excuses, keep them to yourself. Right? Because if you tell them to me, I'll just tell you, yeah, that's, that's junk. Okay? I'm not even going to play with that. Right? It's junk. Okay? No more excuses. Choose this day who you will serve. Okay? So our goal as Christians to recognize that we're sojourners and pilgrims, to abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Verse 12, having the conduct, uh, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, which really just means, guys, the, the people who aren't God's people, okay? It's kind of a weird term for us, right? Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evil, evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of the visitation. Basically, what he's saying is we should live in such a way that even before the world, even before the world, you know what? They might hate us, right? They might not like what we preach, but we, we should live in such a way that when people look at our lifestyles, our words, our actions, and our character will be found honorable, even among the world. Okay, one of the one of the requirements for a um, an elder in the church. This is in I think First or Second Timothy. I forget. But when you read the the requirements, one of them is he has to have a good report about himself. It doesn't say in the church. It says he has to have a good report about himself in the world. He has to have such a high level of character that it's not, you know, I'm Pastor Darren on a Wednesday and yo, what up, brother Darren on a Thursday? You know what I'm saying? The, the other kind of brother, not the Christian brother, all right? We should live in, a, in such a way that we are found honorable, even amongst the world. And it says that they should see our good works. That should be part of our lifestyle, right? There should be something for people outside the church to look and observe. And observe. Because guess what? If they're not glorifying God today, in the day when they stand before Christ... They will. Okay? They will. And I've said this before, but God spoke to me, put on my heart one time. I was kind of down. And uh, he was telling me to, to speak to some people. And he said, you know what, Darren? Well, actually, he didn't say that part, but he just, he just spoke. But uh, <laughs> he said, your words will either be a witness for somebody or a witness against them on the day of judgment. That's pretty hardcore, Right? But, you know, Isaiah 6, 5, God comes and he, he reveals himself to Isaiah and he's speaking to Isaiah. And the moment Isaiah is in God's presence, he says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, I dare say that if you would have met Isaiah right before this happened, he would have considered him a pretty good dude. Right? He, there might have been some wickedness going on in Isaiah, I mean, in, uh, in Israel, but you know, that's on them. But the moment he was in the face of God, 
everything became clear. His wickedness became clear. His, the, the wickedness of the people around him became clear, and everything, everything, everything came to the light. And when that, that's going to happen to us, by the way, when we stand before God. But for the world, when they stand before God, they're going to see those people that they hated, that they made fun of, that they spit on, the ones who showed them God's good works, the one who spoke the words of truth, and all those times that they rejected and all those things that they hated about our lives are going to come back and be a witness against them. And they're going to they're praise God for the righteousness that they saw and rejected on earth. That's crazy, right? That's crazy. All right, so that should be our goal, to abstain from fleshly lusts and to, to live uh, with an honorable conduct that gives God praise, okay? Now, here's the thing about having a goal, right? In order to achieve a goal, you have to have a what? A plan, right? A strategy, okay? And this is, this is something you should bring into your faith, into your work, into your, your, your aspirations, everything, right? Because if uh, me and Jacob get in a car, no map, no GPS, right? And we say, you know what? Shell Lake, Wisconsin, here we come. And we just start driving. You think we're going to get there? We're not allowed to ask directions either. <laughs> How do you think that's going to work out? Right? Like maybe one day. Okay, I've driven the show Lake Wisconsin. It's, not, it's far. And we knew where we were going. We still got lost. <laughs> okay? You can't reach a goal without a plan, without a strategy. Okay? So let's look at, at the strategy God has given us for living a holy life even before the world, okay? And he's given us this strategy in obedience, by showing honor, and by acting in love, okay? So in verse 13 and 14, Peter, uh, Peter says, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Because why? For who? For you? For the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. Okay? Whether to the king as supreme or our president, I guess, or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Right? So obedience always starts with God our Father. Okay? It's not there. But that's, that's, that's unwritten. We don't even got to say that, okay? It always starts with obedient to God, okay? Because if we weren't worried about being obedient to God, we wouldn't even be here reading this, right? We would have came for the pizza and left. Okay, but then, as in obedient, <laughs> oh gosh, in obeying God, <laughs> we have to then take a look at and we have to obey his created order, okay? And I want you to remember this considering his created order, because when we get on to the topic of marriage, that is going to come in play, because there is a created order that God has designed for a marriage, and we must obey it if we are to walk in his blessings, okay? And my nose is really itchy. I apologize. But um, we'll get to that on another time. So let's, let's think about this for a second. Created order, right? So I'm the boss. I own a company and you come in, and I, I hire you on, right? And I say, you know, you got a good resume. I like you. You're a cool guy. I'm going to go ahead and give you the job, right? $23 an hour. Woo, man. That's good, right? 
All I ask is that you follow the way things are done, you don't do it your own way, and you obey everything I say. Yeah, I got that. Cool, right? So I put you on the job. You go and you start working, and your immediate supervisor is there, and he says, I need you to do this just like this, and if you do that, we'll be good. And you're sitting there, you're doing it, and like, man, this sucks. I don't want to do it like this, right? I can do it like this and like this. I'll be good, okay? Now, you start doing it your own way. Things start not going quite right or not, not the way it happens, and your supervisor tells you again and tells you again, and then I hear about it, okay? What do you think I'm going to do if you've already been told several times by the person I put in power and you're not doing your job? You've already been told several times by your supervisor. I'm going to fire you. And I've been in management, okay? So I'm talking. I'm going to fire you, right? It's going to happen, okay? Well, what if you came to, what, what are you talking about? I followed the rules. You know, I got here on time. I left on time. I did my job. All you said is to obey you. You didn't tell me to do anything. Didn't, didn't your supervisor tell you exactly how to do it? Well, well yeah. Who gave, you that, who gave him that authority? Oh, I, well, I guess you. So shouldn't you have obeyed my word? See where we're going with this, guys? Okay, so there's a created order that God has put us under, okay, to be obedient by. All right? Living in Christ before the world means setting the example for obedience in all things. And that starts with the law, right? And trust me, I, I come from a background where this is not a popular conversation, right? But that's the old days, so that's okay. Starts with the law. He says, whether the king, as supreme, or the governors and the people under him, okay? Submit yourself to how many ordinances? What kind of ordinances? Can you put it back on verse uh, 13? What kind of ordinances or how many should we submit to? What does it say? Every ordinance. Every ordinance. Right? I have a habit that when I'm in the passenger seat, I sometimes forget to put on my seatbelt. Guess what? That's breaking the law. Okay? I'm doing a pretty good job of breaking that habit right now. But every ordinance, and why? For the Lord's sake. Okay? God has established a system of justice, a system of government, and he expects, expects us as his children to follow it for his sake. First of all, that we may have peaceable lives, but secondly, that we may be examples to others. Okay? You with me on that? We good? All right. So if when obeying the law, we are doing it for the Lord's sake. If we're disobeying the law of the land, ah, we are disobeying the one who put these things in place. Correct? Anybody want to argue with me on that? Good, because I got to, never mind. Anyways. All right, so it starts with the law that's federal, state, and local, unless it breaks God's law, okay? Always serve God, first and foremost, okay? 15 through 16. For, uh, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. All right? 
free but not using liberty as a cloak for vice. What do you what do you think it means? What do you, why is it describing um, describing it as a cloak? That's kind of a weird term for liberty, right? For freedom. Basically, what he's saying here is we don't. Yes, we are free from all things in Christ Jesus. Paul made, makes that very clear to us, but we're not to use our freedom to cross the lines of authority, okay? To cross the lines of, like I said, God's created order, the things he's established for us to follow. And, and likewise, we're not to use the laws, okay, of the land as justification, or I don't even know how that really fits to anything, but to cross God's law. But where I really see this as, as becoming relevant is he's telling us not to try and use our liberty or the grace of God, the payment of Christ's blood, as an opportunity to hide our lustly flesh, or our fleshly lusts. There we go. Our fleshly lusts, okay? That's why he calls it a cloak for vice. It's something to empower us to live in complete freedom, to live in righteousness, not something that we should try and hide our own personal desires and fulfillments with. Okay? People got some ideas coming to mind of what some of those things might be? Okay, because we could spend a lot of time on that. All right. Uh, Going back to what we were talking about uh, earlier, alcohol, drug use, um, you know, all kinds of things. Of course, the most popular argument that you'll hear is, well, God made it. You know, shroom it up, whatever. Just a mushroom, that's cool. All right, I got you, okay. You know, well, the Bible doesn't say you can't drink alcohol. Well, that's true, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say you can't smoke cigarettes, okay. That's, those things are all true, right? But when you really begin to understand God's heart, and when you really begin to look at the word as a whole, and not take things out of context, you begin to see very clearly that God's purpose for us is to be sober and vigilant, to be alert, to not put walls between our relationship with him for our own personal pleasure. Will he let us get away with doing that for a time, right? But to what? To forsake your heavenly reward for, for what? A few minutes of pleasure, right? Things that have no, no, no physical reward and definitely not a heavenly one. Do not use your liberty in Christ as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. Okay? All right. We're going to skip 17 and, and come with me down to verse 18, okay? Talking still about obedience. He says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, okay? Not only to the good and gentle, but also... To, to the harsh, okay? So this is not just authority. This is not just the president, the governors. What about the authorities in your personal life? What about your, your boss at work, okay, your supervisors? What about your landlords? What about the leaders in, I don't know, an organization? What about, uh, for, for those of you who have a home church, what about your pastors and elders, the people God has put above you, right? Be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh, okay? Now, he's really talking about slaves, people with real masters, okay? And I want to make it very clear that if you're in a situation where you have leadership that's 
bad. That is harsh. That is destructive. And there is a way for you to get out from under that in a, you know, a legitimate manner. Do so. Okay? Do so. And that, that's biblical. Uh, there's a verse that actually talks about that. That if you're a slave and you have the opportunity to be free, do it. <laughs> okay? But if not, don't worry about it. Because we have freedom in Christ. Okay? But our response to leadership is never about the other person. It's always about our relationships to Christ. And we'll get into that here in just a little bit. All right. 19 through 20. For this, being submissive to your masters, for this is commendable if because of your conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer... If you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Who here has ever had a bad boss? Okay. Who here has ever had uh, anybody in authority above them that you didn't like, they didn't like you, and probably treated you wrong? Okay. Guess what? I've had all of the above. Okay. All of the above. So, I mean, obviously, as as, as long as they're really doing something wrong, I mean, you can be as defiant as you want in that case, right? No. No. God tells us to be submissive even to the harsh, right? Why? Why on earth would God ask us to do that? You see, being obedient and doing good towards those who are harsh, who are unjust, who are wicked towards you, having good character in their midst, right? That is a testimony of who Christ is. That is a testimony of the power and the freedom that we have in the Spirit of God. Okay? And it's a command for us regardless of their personality. Right? And like I said a second ago, walking with Christ is never about us and relationship to them. Well, if they're good, I'll be good to them. Right? I mean, that's kind of the street model. You don't, there are lots of thieves, but they try not to steal from each other at least. That's how it was with me. Right? I'd rob the neighbor blind, but, I mean, if we were homeboys, we were good, right? You don't mess with my pipe, I won't mess with yours. Anyways, that's old news, okay? But it's always about us in relationship to Christ, okay? Like I said earlier, we are just, guys, this is just passing away. We have a home. The things around us, it's, this is all just testing an opportunity to be faithful. These are all just times to show the glory of God to the world. And why? Well, he tells us pretty, cla- uh, pretty plainly. Verse 21. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Can you believe that? I want you all to take a second and, and let this sink in. Okay, Let this really sink into what Paul or uh, Peter just told us. We are actually called into suffering through tests. That's not the best job description, (laughs) but it pays pretty good on the other side, right? But we are, we are, we're actually called to suffer through tests, through trials, and through the wickedness of other people for our reward 
right, for the glory of Christ and as a statement, as a statement to the world. And Christ did it for us. And he left that for an example. Did you know the Bible says that Jesus's obedience was made perfect through his suffering? It was made perfect through his. When I read that, man, that was so profound. Perfect through his suffering, right? And in the same way, Jesus being God, he came, he suffered insult, he suffered abuse, he he suffered wrongful trial, right? Murder. I mean, I ain't been murdered yet, you know, and I, I complain about things sometimes, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not meeting up so well, okay? Who committed no sin, verse 22, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, when he was insulted, did not return the insult, as to say, right? When he suffered, he did not threaten anybody, but he committed himself to him, God, who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you like sheep going astray, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Okay? So we need to be obedient to to God and his laws. Okay? The second thing that we're called to living among the world is honor. And in First Peter, uh, chapter two, verse seventeen, he starts that by saying, "Honor all people." And man, I love these guys. They make it so. They make my job really easy. I mean, really, they do. Let's let's take a look at this. Honor who? All people. Rich people, poor people, black people, white people. Anybody included from all? Yeah, we can we can deal with the Mexicans, I guess, Vincent. Just for you, Any, anybody excluded from that? No, right? They, like I said, they make my job really easy. Honor all people. Okay. Now, I, I looked up the word honor. I mean, I kind of understood. I mean, I understood what it meant, but just for a, a nice definition. And you know what honor really means? Defined. High respect. High respect, or esteem. Now, that changes the tone a little bit. Because I can say, yeah, honor all people. That's good, right? But when you say treat every person you come in contact with with a high respect and esteem, and it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, whoa, wait a minute. That's, uh, that's got a little more weight to me, reading that. So let me ask you something. How do we show honor in our culture, in our day and age? How do we show honor? Give me, give me some examples. A handshake? Okay. Show honor? Okay. What type of people do we give give honor to? Let's older people, okay? We give everyone. Our parents, okay? What what else? People that we value. Spouses, right? Okay. Uh, judges, guess what? Homeboy walks in, everybody stands up, <laughs> right? All right. Uh, if you're smart, police officers, show them a little bit of honor. Maybe you get a warning, right? Um, not everybody, but hey, you know you probably should, okay? What about the president? President walked in your room. Well, regard. Uh, okay, I know it's a touchy subject right now, but a touchy. Yeah, okay. But people in power, people, famous people. What about if your your favorite band member walked in the room? I bet you you would treat him with a with a, a specific level of honor, right? You stand for people. You shake their hands. You you speak to them politely. 
right? You deal with them kindly. That's showing honor, okay? Well, check this out. Basically, what I'm saying here is we show honor by acting towards people according to their position, right? Nobody stands up when I enter the room, okay? And I don't tell everybody to sit down because I'm not a judge, right? If I put a light on my Cadillac and drove through town, well, some people might pull over, but most people probably wouldn't, right? <laughs> okay, so we show honor according to people's position or value or however you want to say it, okay? Now, check this out. Since we're talking about all people, turn with me, if you will, to Genesis 1, 26 through 28. We want to talk about the value that people have. In Genesis 1, 26 through 28, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what I want you all to do is realize that every single person, living person on this planet that you meet, you should honor them as someone created in the image of God as someone who has dominion over all the earth and over someone God has blessed to be his child. Every person. Now let me ask you something. Let's say I was, uh, let's say I was the president, okay? And suddenly there's, uh, there's these pictures, or let's say I'm just here in town, I'm somebody, and I'm putting out pictures of myself everywhere to promote an event or something, and I see someone, and they're drawing you know, some profane things on my picture. And they're calling me names and doing all these things. How do you think I would feel about that person? Because that's my face they're defaming, right? I mean, that's not me, but that's my, fa- that's my image that's being defaced right there, right? The way they're treating that picture, the things they're saying, that's against me. Well, back in the day, I smacked that fool upside the head. No, 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 no. But I wouldn't be very happy about it, right? Definitely. So why is it that we think we have the right to treat God's image however we want? Speak to them rudely. Talk down to them. Abuse them mentally, physically, emotionally. Right? We don't have that right. What if, uh, what if we were out somewhere, we were at the park, and uh, Vincent was over there on the little bumblebee thing with Joshua, and uh, my other two kids were running around, and I saw someone come up to one of my sons and smack him across the face. Put him on the ground. How do you think I would react to that person? I wouldn't be very happy. Let's just say that, right? I wouldn't be very happy with that person. Okay. What if, uh, for you men in here, for you men in here, let's say you had a daughter, right? You had a daughter, and she's 15 years old. And Mr. 19-year-old man rolls up on a motorcycle, and you see... Uh, and talking to your 15-year-old daughter and speaking very inappropriately to you. How, how do you think you feel about that in that situation? Grab a shotgun? Grab a shotgun? Okay, whoa. All right. Well, that's all right. 
that's that's cool. We good. Whatever. Yeah, that's right. Guns don't kill people. <laughs> Daddies with pretty girls do. All right. Well, guess what? Look around at the women in this room. Everybody, look around. Look at those little girls sitting by Miguel. Abby, my wife. Don't look at my wife. Never mind. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sydney, patience, right? Shanicia, uh, I already got Abby. I think I got, I think I got everybody. <laughs> look, at, look at these women and realize these, Ariana, did I say your name? No. These are the daughters of God. Amen. And you better choose very wisely how you speak and treat to them. Treat them, okay? So, we need to be honoring all people with a high esteem, with a level of respect, right? As people who are bearing the image of God and as children of God, because that's just what they are, okay? And I want to show you some, man, honoring people is so basic and simple in the Bible, it's going to blow you away. Let's check this out. Let's look at, at some ways we should honor people. Exodus twenty twelve through 17. This might be a little bit familiar to a couple of you. Um, I mean, I, you, you, it's not really talked about much, but it's something called the Ten Commandments. So uh, starting in verse 12, Exodus 20, that's an alarm to uh, memorize scripture. So uh, I do apologize about that. Anyways, anyways, Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the, land, with the, which the Lord your God is giving you. Man, I'm going to die young. That's not good. All right. Verse 13. You shall not murder. Okay, so don't kill your freaking neighbor. Right? Okay. Or, like Jesus said, if you have anger, anger brewing towards your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. Okay? Verse 14. Do not commit adultery. Right? So don't sleep with your homeboy's wife. All right? Honor, honor that couple, right? Don't steal, verse 15. Don't lie, verse 16. Verse 17, don't covet. Don't, um, what's another word for covet? Uh, don't desire, don't lust after other people's things. So honoring is pretty simple, pretty simple stuff, right? And of course, uh, another one I'm a big fan of is Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. And this one is very applicable to us, Okay. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all your bitterness, your wrath, your anger, your clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and guys, come on, verse 32, right? Be kind to one another, tender, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Man, that should just be a life verse right there, right? Because that is just honor people, right? With your, with your language, with your, your heart, the way you treat them. It's so simple, okay? Now, Finally, going back to 1 Peter 2, verse 17, he says, honor all people. And then he says, love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood. Now, Jesus had a lot to say about love. Even people who aren't Christians tend to know that, okay? 
And he says in John 13, 34 through 35, you should have read this if you were taking the 21-day challenge, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Not if you go to church, right? He didn't say, if you get the Jesus sticker on your car, they'll know you're my disciples, right? If you type amen on the meme, right? If you share this stupid prayer chain that I hate getting in my inbox all the time. No, no, no. If you love, if you love one another, when the world sees your love, then they're going to know, they're going to believe that there's something different about you. But if they don't see that simple, basic aspect of your life, if they don't see it prevalent, they're not going to care about anything you say. That's just the way it is. They're not going to care about anything you say. Unless you're telling them how much you're going to pay them, then maybe. (laughs) But uh, our entire existence as Christians should be recorded in one word, guys. Love. Okay? But there's a catch. See, we have to understand what love is because even non oh, well, God is love, right? He'll love me no matter what. I even was part of a quote-unquote Christian organization. Man, it, hurt, it hurts my mind just to even recall this. And this guy stood in front of everyone and preached a message saying, you can do whatever you want. And if it was a bad idea, you know what? God is going to love you and he's going to bless you anyways because God is love. After all, when they ate the fruit, they didn't die. Man, I, I dang near fell out of my chair and had a heart attack. I'm serious. I, I kind of want to puke just thinking about it. Okay? So we need to understand what love really is, right? Love is not a one-time decision. Oh, I'm going to marry her because I love her. Well, that's good. Okay? What does that really mean to you, right? What, what is, it's not a one-time decision, right? I love, um, what's another one-time decision? I guess that's the only one I can think of. But it's not a one-time decision. It's not just a feeling. You know, people, man, I could have sworn I just turned this off. People, uh, people will say they love all kinds of stuff, right? Man, I love Snickers. Mmm, Snickers. Right? Man, I love, you know, 65 Chevys. I don't even know what that looks like, but let's go with it, right? Yeah. I love fishing. I love, I love, I love, right? Well, let's define love, okay? Love is not a one-time decision. It's not a feeling. And guess what? Love the way you act and show love should not ever be affected by your feelings. Ooh. Now it's getting serious up in here. Okay? Love is this. Love is an action. Simple as that. Love is an action. It's a choice. Right? Not a one-time choice, but it is a choice. Love is found in doing the thing that most benefits others in a situation, regardless of your feelings or theirs, when it's done in truth. When it's done in truth, okay? I want to give you some examples. First John, okay, not the book of John. First John, chapter 3, starting in verse 16. John tells us, the apostle John, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. I want you to grasp what he just said. How do we know love? Because he laid down his life 
for us. When the Bible puts love in perspective, it doesn't talk about the way God feels about us, right? What he wants you to hear him say. I guess that's kind of included, but no, no, no. It talks about Jesus going to the cross, knowing and willing to take that for us. Us who the Bible says were enemies of God. Enemies. We didn't even like them. And he went to the cross for our sakes. That's how we know love. Love is an action. Right? By this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 17. Um, But whoever has the world's goods and he sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? How does the love of God abide in him? See, it's action. It's not a feeling. It doesn't say anything about how the person feels. His brother needed something, and the other person wasn't willing to help. How does the love of God abide there? Right? It's not a feeling. Okay? Verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue. Everybody can do that. That's great. Right? But in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, guess what? If you're sitting in here and your heart condemns you from anything I've said, if you feel conviction, okay? If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Uh, Just to step off, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? 23, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandments so guys as we go out this week as we live as 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 people who have already right now who have a citizenship in the eternal kingdom of god obey your authorities right obey your parents obey the people in in position that god has placed in your life good or bad right not everything's about us right it's not always about us having the best sometimes it's about god revealing himself to others okay walk in obedience right um, obey your, uh, yeah, okay, honor all people as God puts them in front of you, okay? Treat everyone with the same level of respect, okay? Even those who seem to be beneath you, the poor, right? This, let's just say silly, because there's some people that are just silly, and there are some other words for that, but we're not going to use them in this time, right? Uh, your husband or your wife or your girlfriend, or whoever it is. Show them honor. Don't just tell them you love them. Don't just uh, be your friend. Show them honor, right? And love. Love. Do the things, as God has given us in his word, do the things that are for the benefit of others, 
regardless of our own selfish outcomes, okay? That having your... Uh, that they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you have uh, just given us your word. Father God, Lord, we confess right now, we all need you. Father God, no one in this room has this together. No one in this room has, has done these things without fault, Father God. We are all poor before you. We're all broken and weak, Father God. We need you, Lord, to come and strengthen us, to empower us, to forgive us in the name of Jesus. So, Father God, we thank you for your word, Lord, and we ask that you empower us to to remember everything you've spoken and to truly walk in it, Lord God. So for just a few moments, Lord, before we continue worshiping you, Lord, Father God, I just, I'm going to open up a time that anyone who here who knows they have not walked according to your word, they have not walked in honor, they have not walked in obedience, they have not walked in love. Now is a time to repent before the Lord, and repentance, that's God's open door to be reconciled. That's what it really is, reconciliation. If you need to keep praying, keep, keep doing so. But Father God, we do just ask that you forgive us in the name of Jesus Christ, knowing that you will. So we thank you once again. In Jesus' holy name, amen. like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy and all of the sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. jealous for me love's like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy all of a sudden I am unaware of these 
afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me oh how he loves us so oh how he loves us how he loves us so yeah he loves us oh how he loves us oh Yeah, he loves 